Welcome again to Folk Islam. We are still discussing Folk Islam and the life they live. And my name is Tony Weeder. Uh, like I said, I'm from Liberia, West Africa. Today we continue to talk about under the theme of the evil eye and it's called the mother of children. The mother of children is really uh, serious in the area of Egypt. In fact, it said that in my notes here, let me read that for you. They say one of the most powerful forces of harm among Egyptian Muslims and people are afraid of the mother of children uh, because the harm it brings to them. And so they seek the protection of practitioners, the imam, and all kinds of things they wear. There's another thing under that called the seven covenants of Solomon or Suleiman. And under that is that you call the name of prophets, and not just prophets, you call the name of archangels, uh, some of the names of God, and what have you. And these are some of the things that people practice in terms of protecting themselves on the evil eye. And like I mentioned yesterday, today we'll not just be talking about the evil eye, we're going to be going to a better path in terms of evangelism, uh, worldview evangelism, and also worldview discipleship. So I'm looking forward to that. But before we get there, you have to bear with me as we go through some of these uh, rough details in terms of spirit possession and desire dances or dancers. And there's a picture you will see on that where people go up mainly in Ethiopia, dancing up on mountains, uh, or rain dance, uh, dancing for rain. They are part of Ethiopia about a year or two where there will be no rain at all. People, cattle will be dying, and because of that, people climb up on the mountains. Uh, but because of the practitioners prey on the sick women, on sick women, marginalized men in a society, and uh, people who need cure or desire to have needs met uh, brings a temporary release to healing through possession and exorcism. And these are some of the practices that um, uh, take place, especially among Ethiopian Muslims. And some I have seen since we live in Ethiopia with my family, were able to see some of these practices. Again, over and over you will hear me saying that there's a need for us as Christians to understand these things, to understand because when we understand it, then we can go back to God on our needs and pray. And as we pray, then God reveal his will to us. We can better present the gospel uh, to them. The importance of dreams for divine guardians everywhere, whether you are in Egypt, whether you are in Liberia, or you are in Togo, you are in Asia, uh, say the Philippines or China, dreams are very, very important. In fact, there's a book called, I Dare to Call Him Father. And this lady, a former wife of a Pakistani prime minister, who went to bed, and in her dream, she dreamt about John the Baptist. And in her dream, John the Baptist told her to go down maybe five, six block, uh, uh, block read a book. So but I'm just telling you the story. I dare to call him father. And so this lady, in her dream, John the Baptist said, go down the road, you will see missionaries. And these missionaries will tell you who I am. She literally woke up the next day, went to the missionary, told them that John the Baptist sent her uh, to them. 
And guess what? Ben an American and living in, <laughs> in Pakistan, and for a former wife of the Prime Minister of Pakistan to just show up at your uh, friend door and say, oh, by the way, John the Baptist sent me. I don't think you, this American going to say, oh yeah, praise God about that. No, they took off and left. And then when she went back to sleep again, the next day, uh, the, the next night, the same person, according to her, John the Baptist came, revealed to her, go back to these missionaries who have moved in fear, but I know where they are and I will show you. So this lady, former prime minister's wife, got up, went to the same missionary, found them where they have moved, and told them, by the way, John the Baptist met me again last night and sent me to you. And this time, for sure, the missionary then realized that truly God was speaking through this woman by coming to them. And so they finally shared the gospel with her. She accepted Christ. These things are taking place in her dreams. Okay? These are dreams. Um, I know for most Americans since I live uh, on this side for some time now, uh, many Westerners, when you have dreams and you go to them, especially Western missionaries, you go to them, oh, by the way, I had a dream last night. The first question is that, that God is speaking to you. The first question is, what size of pizza you ate last night? And many times these are some of the jokes to bring to you. But these missionaries took it serious, led this woman to Christ. She became a Christian. Guess what she did? She went in her room because in certain kind of Islam or countries, baptism is very important. Muslims would not start persecution until you are baptized. So what she did, feared of being persecuted, she went in her bathroom, filled her bathtub, and baptized herself. Uh, that would be another theological discussion, <laughs> whether you can baptize yourself. So, but I will save that for next time if we have questions. She baptized herself, and that was it, and wrote this book, Are There to Call Him Father? Because in accepting Jesus Christ, God became her father. So we should not honor my uh, dreams and visions among Muslims people today. Uh, there's another person, a dear friend of mine, they called uh, Juma Kamara. Uh, he saw Christ in his dream, and Christ revealed himself. Juma woke up the next day, accepted Jesus Christ as Savior. Uh, how do you explain that? Today in Iran, there are dreams and visions, men and women coming to Christ through dreams and visions. So as believers uh, of Scripture, especially in the two-third world, or what Philip Jenkins called the Southern Church, God is working through dreams and visions. So uh, uh, our brothers in the North, or the Northern Church, be in North America and Western Europe, we should not honor mind the things that God is doing in the lives of these people. I have a chart here that will be, uh, be going through, uh, which I have entitled Fell Needs. And I got that from uh, Phil Pashal's wonderful book, Bridges to Islam, and which has really helped. And I'm going to go through that. Most of these things, you will see the picture up on the screen here that, uh, no, that we have. 
And in one, uh, the left-hand corner, where you have felt needs, and meaning not acceptable solutions, and a mystic answer to that, and more acceptable solutions. And then the Christian answers to these things. So we'll go through that slowly. So the first thing we see on the, you know, in the notes is fear. Uh, fear of the unknown person. Uh, fear of the unknown spirit world. The fear that will go through. And so honor f uh, the next thing, honor fear, is idolatry. Because of fear, you turn to stone worship, something we talked uh, talk about last week. And then for animistic answer, the first thing we come across is um, fetishes and charms. Uh, web, I mean, I repeated that yesterday. We talked about it yesterday, but it's always good to go over and over again because it's something that uh, people, it's not just Muslims, uh, and someday when we have the time, we will kind of talk about that in terms of um, uh, folk Christians, where Christians, especially uh, African Christians who are still we wearing fetishes and charms for protection. Uh, I remember working as a chaplain in a hospital in a West African country, and there were Muslims who were come mainly from the Mandingo and the Maniakan and the Konyakan tribe, along with the Jula. And they would come there. And this was a Christian hospital I work at. And when they come, they have all these fetishes and charms along with them. And so we will tell them if we could remove these things before we can treat them. I don't know if it was the right contextualization, but we wanted to make sure that our prayer was not handled by all these things that uh, they were wearing. And so we, we, we asked them to move it. A more acceptable solution would be what? The superstition that comes. But then as a Christian, uh, no, what would be the Christian answer? Like I told you from the beginning of this study, that slowly would be moving, not just in, you know, telling you the problems of animation, but some of the solutions. And now we're starting to do that at this point of the chat. And then the Christian answer would be security in Christ as God keeper. Security in Christ as God keeper. And what do I mean by that? I think it's in First John where John said that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So if we can present these people are afraid of the unknown spirit world, they're afraid of the unknown power. But if we can introduce Christ to them as God and keeper of the very life, they're afraid that someone will destroy it. The next thing that we also talked about last, um, um, the last time when we were in class was fear of evil, the fear of evil. And we see the fear of evil, the solution to that to go to sorcerer. Uh, witchcraft. Again, missionaries, Christian workers should, uh, should understand always that uh, uh, these names that, like sorcerer or witchcraft or witch doctor, these are not names that the Africans, the Asians, or the Middle Easterners gave to these people. Uh, like I said uh, the last time when we were in class, they are well respected. These are well-respected men who sit on balls of uh, presidents and prime ministers and uh, government officials, meet with them for advice and for counsel. So we, when you, uh, I, I hate to use the word witchcraft, but that's the description people have given them. And so we should also respect them and meet them where they are. And so that's the solution. The first thing you do is because of fear, 
they contact these uh, people. You remember in First Samuel, where saw the king of Israel going to this woman, can you contact Samuel for me? And guess what? This happened. So these things are not joke. Uh, they are serious. Exorcism, these are not the answer. But again, the Christian answer would be protection in Christ. I think it's in John, uh, John 10, where Jesus said that we are protected. He, you know, we are in his hand and no one can snatch, you know, snatch us from his hand. Another thing we want to discuss is shame of not being in the group in terms of magic. And we'll come to that. Shame of not, uh, of not being in the group. Uh, many times I say that, uh, especially in the West where I'm living now, uh, Western Europe, is that uh, they are focused on guilt. And whereas many cultures outside of the West, they focus on a shame-based culture. Um, uh, for Americans, you know, I love some of the beautiful American idioms. It's a cut to the chase. Uh, let's put our cards on the table. No. In many cultures, they don't put our cards on the table. In many cultures, they don't cut to the chase. They beat around the bush. Um, in another American idioms would be business before pleasure. No. In many, many cultures outside of America is that pleasure before business. I want to know you. They are more relational. So as we engage them in a culture, it's shame-based. Uh, in America, you are confrontational. In most of these cultures that will be ministering to that is animistic and folk in their uh, practices is that they are more relational, people-oriented. Uh, again, some of the idioms you use here, time is money. For many people, time is not money. Relationship. They want to sit and get to know you. They want to understand who you are, your family, your family background. Um, I, you know, we live in Ethiopia, uh, and then I visited Dhaka, Senegal, among the Wolof. They take about five to ten minutes just to exchange greetings. Now, good luck trying to do that here in America or anywhere in Europe. I mean, how you doing? Uh, when I first came to this country, that was one of the cultural shock. I've just come from a civil war. Okay, remember that I said that yesterday. I've just come from a civil war. I'm walking around in class with fellow students, and they come. So, Tony, how you doing? When I'm just about to download, maybe for the next half an hour, they are gone. And I found out that it was just a cliche. They didn't mean it. They did not want to know how I was actually doing. So in a shame-based culture, the first thing they do, because they don't want for you to know what's going on in their lives, so they go, with magic. How can I heal this? A fear, a curse, and what have you. And we'll talk about blessing or the baraka. So in fact, uh, this is why it is so difficult in many non-Western culture. It's so hard in terms of AIDS. That is the reason why AIDS is spreading so much in Africa, uh, in Asia, and other Middle Eastern countries. Do you know that when you have AIDS, Zimbabwe, you can't even tell anyone because they might kill you just for people knowing that you have AIDS. So in a shame-based culture, they find ways to get cured without letting anyone know what's going on with them. We talk about uh, hair and nail trimmings yesterday. We talk about magic and cursing. All of these things is in a shame-based culture. And in a shame-based culture, people want to hide their pain. They want to hide their hurts. And this is where now we as Christians 
And the Christian answer on the far right of the chart is acceptance in the believer's fellowship with Christ. Yeah, with fellowship with Christ. There's no shame in Christ. Perfect love, cast out, remove fear. Um, I will never forget, we went to a village somewhere in, in Liberia and we preached about the power of Jesus Christ and God. And all these people, I mean, the missionary was so excited when these people brought all their voodoos, uh, how you call it, juju, whatever name you have for it. They brought it out. They said, oh, here, you guys go ahead and burn it. And the missionary took out his matches. You see, we're ready to set it on fire. I said, no, if they are really serious, if these people are really serious to walk away from their past, if they are really serious to walk away uh, from the voodoo and charms and amulets they've been wearing, then let them burn it themselves, not us. Guess what? One by one, they walk away, took their voodoos along with them because they were afraid to burn it. If we have burned it, they were going to make new ones because they did not burn it. So always keep that in mind when you minister among people who are uh, animistic uh, in their nature. But accepting in the fellowship of the believers. Cornelia, coming together in the fellowship, I think it's in Acts chapter 2, verses 39 to 42, where the church met to fellowship. And this is where it's not shame or guilt and where Christ meet our needs and Christ protect us. The next thing is the powerlessness, you know, against evil. Many times as I travel, be it Senegal, be it Gambia, be it Ivory Coast, Guinea, Sierra Leone, uh, Somalia, Uganda, Rwanda, uh, Malawi, as I travel to these places, uh, even part of Asia, as I travel to these places, I see the powerlessness of people just absolutely powerless. Go to Nigeria with all the oil and what have you. Go to Angola with all the oil and money. Go to Sudan with all the power and money they have there in terms of oil. People, tribal people, they are powerless in the face of evil. They are powerless in the face of all the tribalism and killing that is going on. What would be the solution? They turn to sin worship. Now, as you sit there in the class, uh, ponder with me. Just, <laughs> just close your eyes and think with me in here. Going to the grave of a dead saint or dead relative, what will, do, what will that do for them? Have you ever thought about that? Can you imagine with, uh, there's a book by, written by Mark Bubeck that says that the Satanic Revival. A Nigerian Christian said this. He said that some of the reasons why God cannot bless Africa, and then he made this remark, name one president or head of state in Africa that is not praying to Satan. That's a profound statement. Most of our leaders in Africa bow to the throne of Satan. They make human sacrifices to him. And how can God bless our continent? How can the corruption stop? How can the abuse of women stop? How can tribalism stop? When we believe all of these things, it's not just folk Muslims. And this is why Islam is attractive to Africans because Islam embraces the culture. And take for example, in Africa, there's polygamy already. 
people of, you know, five women. So when Islam comes, well, you have five already. Uh, why not you take five more? And talk about voodoo. Well, you're already playing with the spirit world. And we find out that in the Quran, especially Surah 72, also enhanced that. Prophet Muhammad himself was afraid of the unknown spirit world. And everything has by, uh, been syncretized. And so these pow you know, powerless men, they turn to sin worship, petitioning sins and angels, uh, demonic, playing with demons. Our answer as Christian, authority and power of the Holy Spirit. And I'm, let me stop and pause here to explain. God will never ever misuse his power just for the sake of us. No, it doesn't work that way. God will always work his power for himself. Authority empowered of the Holy Spirit. They say when the Holy Spirit came, I think it was in Acts chapter 1 verse 6, when, um, when the disciples sat with Jesus Christ, they were concerned, asking Jesus, is it at this time that you will restore the kingdom to Israel? Jesus said, it is not for you to know the time, but you will receive power. But when you receive that power, it's not for yourself. That power forces you to go to Jerusalem, to go to Samaria, and for in our context now, to go to the next enemy tribe, uh, to go to Nigeria, to go to Ghana, to go to uh, the Philippines, to go to Tunisia, to go to Libya and witness and share the love of Christ with them. Powerless against evil. And then certain things that uh, we become to the meaninglessness of life, completely meaningless in life. Uh, it is not just Africa. I think it's a problem all over um, in the world. Today in America, the good thing about America, you can believe in anything in America as long it, as it is not true. Everyone appreciates that. And that truth has become absolute. Uh, it has become a moving target. Truth for you is not true for me. And so life has become absolutely meaningless. And people, I mean, young men and women, just listen to all kinds of music and ruin their lives. But what's the answer? To turn to familiar spirits. And, and then the Zah dancers, and that picture you will see uh, somewhere uh, on the border where they're dancing, at, like I said from the beginning of this lesson, that they, they dance for rain. And it's a prayer form. In fact, I was in Gonda. Gonda is, is, is a major city in, in, in Ethiopia where I witnessed that. And then I saw that also among the Oromo people of, 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 of Ethiopia. Uh, dancing for rain. Uh, it, they're not just dancing. We are pleading with God, trying to manipulate God uh, in doing something for them. 